listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Nadia and I really felt uh, a couple of weeks ago leading into this Sunday that um, it'd be really awesome to take some time to actually, uh, really, as Will said, focus into this whole area of family and the dynamics that we have when it comes to Christmas. And so uh, we're going to get straight into it, but we can give these guys a huge hand because our team, team. both on stage, on the desk, side of stage have been amazing. We love you guys. Just awesome. But who knows that uh, Christmas is an exciting time of year? Who loves Christmas? Right? It's just awesome. Who... Like it just, there's something about the festivities, it's something about just everything comes to life and you're just so excited and there's joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? This brings stuff out of you you didn't even know was there and it's just, it's a lot of fun and it's, a, and it's portrayed and, and it should be as a, as a time of celebration, a time where we come to the end of a, a year and we get the opportunity to sit around as family, as friends and, and really enjoy each other's company and it's kind of got this picture of everything being perfect and just everything being ideal. And it is that in many ways, as it should be. But at the same time, who knows that uh, the dynamic of families gathering, the dynamic of maybe not having even family in proximity, the dynamic of what's gone on, what's happening in the in-laws' family and your family, and the gathering together actually can, can produce a whole lot of different environments, different tensions, different uh, uh, realities that actually this season can be an area that can be sometimes hard to negotiate. Or is that just our family? <laughs> and that's not even outside the five of us uh, and our three kids. But it, the truth of it is, is it can bring up a whole lot of stuff. And, and I just thought, um, you know, the significance of Christmas really is the fact that we have a God of re- reconciliation. The whole wonder of Christmas is about a God who's so loved that He sent His one and only Son, to reconcile his family. But who knows, for many of us, some of the stuff that's happening in our families happened in our families. The idea of reconciliation is actually a mountain that's in front of us and something we choose to avoid rather than actually choose to approach. And we really felt like we want to see and we want to believe that for all of us, our family included, we want to believe that this is going to be a summer, this is going to be a Christmas, where there is going to be fresh reconciliation, where maybe there's disconnection. It's going to be a time where relationships are going to another level rather than a restricted and a a more disconnected level. And actually, we're going to allow this to be a summer that we go, man, that was an awesome summer. Was everything perfect? Of course not. It's people. It's family. But at the same time, there was something cool that God has done. There's something that God has started. There's something that God is renewing because this is about reconciliation. So you with us? So we're going to pray, but uh, we have basically, we text a bunch of the leaders and, uh, and ask the leaders, hey, what are some scenarios you know of? What are some things that you're facing? Would you message us uh, some of those questions? We've written a bunch, but we want to highlight and connect to where people are actually at and, uh, and you know, bring out the ones that people are asking on multiple levels and speak into those areas practically. But then we also wanted to include you. This is an inclusive session. We're one big, uh, you know, life family in that sense. And so there's going to be a number on the screen and uh, text... That number that's on the screen, it's a private number in the sense of it's not at someone's personal phone. Text that number, and, uh, and then I'm going to get filtered those, and they're going to get sent to me. And if, uh, if there's something good in there that can add to what we've already got from those questions, then let's go there. Let's talk about that stuff. Is that good? You okay with that? A little bit different to normal, but I think it's, uh, I think it's just fresh, and I think God's on it. And I, in fact, I don't think. I know He's on this. So, Father, we just honor you in this time. 
We thank you, Lord, for the great gift of relationship. We thank you for the incredible gift of family. We thank you for the amazing dynamic that it is to love somebody, to be loved by somebody. But Lord, I pray that as we have these next few moments together where we answer and we ask and we delve into scenarios and situations that are very real for many of us, maybe even most of us, I pray, Lord, that you would give us hope. Father, you would give us fresh wisdom. Lord, that you would give us the ability to face this season with a belief, Lord, that things are going to be different on the other side. Things are going to be better on the other side. And Lord, we're going to see reconciliation take place in an incredible way. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So while you guys send some messages in, we're going to get jumped straight into uh, to what has already been proposed. But I want to ask you, beautiful woman in the room, love of my life, wife of 17 years in one week, I want to ask you, why do we actually need to focus on building relationships with people? Sometimes it seems that it would be a whole lot easier to live isolated and not have to deal with people in the first place. Who kind of feels like that sometimes? Like if we're honest, yeah. Good. Don't hold so your many hand up hands. Too long. Like that was amazing. Don't hold your hand up too but long. it can feel like that at sometimes. Like people take work, relationships take work, and why do we actually need to? Uh, put the effort in, you know, and sometimes we can actually live like that. We can um, have so many relationships on surface level, and then when things get tough, you know, we just back off, we run away, rather than actually delving into the depth of where that relationship needs to go to. So we wanted to start off by just saying how much we need relationships, how much we need each other. Excuse me, you know, we are a church, uh, especially where we really value the area of relationships. We want to go deeper with each other. In church, stuff happens all the time. Things are said that are misconceived, you know, things are taken the wrong way. We're people, we interact with us. Stuff like that's going to happen all the time, but we've got to be committed to each other. We've got to be committed to the long haul. And, and you know, God, uh, from the very beginning, He said when He created us, He said that it's not good for man to be alone. So it's actually God's purpose and intention for us to live in really rich, deep relationships with each other, be committed to each other. I, I, we haven't got time to go into it today, but Ecclesiastes 3, it just goes into the power of how one is better than two. You know that we need each other. Sorry, two is better than one. Wow, it's really coming out today, guys. <laughs> 17 years in and we feel like... Not, not speaking out of personal experience whatsoever. Yeah. Marriage, none of that. But... Right. <laughs> Abstinence, yes, it's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic option. Mm. But two is better than one. I keep telling myself that, but <laughs> <laughs> joking, it actually is. I was the one that forgot our wedding anniversary, remember? But um, sorry again, babes. But we do need to be connected with each other. And it was amazing when we had Dr. Chris here for our sisterhood. She actually gave this amazing stat and said that. Uh, out of all the studies that have been done, obviously we know longevity is added to our life by things like exercise, eating healthy. Um, but the number one thing that's been found by researching different cultures and seeing how different people groups live, the number one thing that's been uh, said to add longevity to life is actually social connectedness and how well a culture does relationships. And I thought that was absolutely profound and I went on to do a little bit more research and studies have been shown uh, show that social connection improves physical and emotional health as much as eating healthy, exercising, and getting proper rest. Can I get an amen? 
Social connection leads to a 50% chance of longevity, strengthens our immune system, recovery from disease, and also lowers rates of anxiety and depression. So we are created to be in connection with each other. We're created for relationship. So because of that, we need to be, we need to be connected and committed to the long term, committed to go through the hard stuff with each other. So Absolutely. And if you think about it, the truth of it is, is to eat disciplined, to have a right level of balance, to have the ability to like do all those other practical physical things, they're not done out of accident. They just don't happen. They actually take hard work. So the truth of it is you want a healthy relationship, you want to do relationship, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take some sweat. It's going to take not eating or delving into that stuff, but actually choosing something of a better source to enable you to be in that place that it is really, really healthy. But I want to um, carry on and, um, and fantastic job. Uh, by the way, uh, how do you do I respond rather than react when I'm with my family? They seem to always bring out the worst in me. Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And I think, you know, we react when we're being led by our feelings. We've been being led by our emotions, but we respond when it's out of a place of intentionality. So I think especially going into Christmas time, family time, it's actually taking time aside and going, who is the person that I actually want to be? How do I want to respond in this relationship when things happen that irk me? And we're people. We're going to irk each other. The Bible says actually bear with one another in love. So God already knows that we're going to irk each other. We're going to rub each other the wrong way. So there's got to be this sense of, hey, how do I want to respond in this situation with this person? How do I want to go into it? So with intentionality, and I think a really good thing to ask ourselves, obviously responding is coming from this place of actually, God, how do you want me to respond in this? Not just go based on my feelings, but actually, God, how do you need me to, uh, to answer somebody in the middle of this? So, you know, when I want to react out of annoyance, maybe to my parents, I actually take time to go, God, you want me to honor my parents? Come on, I, I think we don't talk about this enough, the power of honoring our parents. It is instrumental. It's one of the great, uh, the, the commandments that actually comes with a promise. If you honor your mom and dad, you will live a great and long life. So it's, it's so key that we honour our parents. We honour those that have invested so much into our world. And so we go into those environments going, you know what, I want to be somebody that honours my mum and dad. And then asking the Holy Spirit's help to respond how He wants us to respond. And I think that's, that's key. Going into situations with prayer, help me, God, in the middle of this. Help me choose your way in the middle of this. You know, when there's someone there, a family member that irks us the wrong way, God, help me to love Love them. Help me to respond to them in the right way, like you're asking me to respond. And I love what actually, I think this is an amazing scripture to take and how to respond to people. It's Matthew 7 verse 12 in the message version. It says, here's a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and profits, and this is what you get. So it's just taking time to be intentional. Okay, how, did the, how would they want me to respond? And I want to respond out of that and take the initiative, take the lead in that. And uh, one of our amazing leaders actually sent this through, five ways to keep the peace. And this is from a licensed therapist. And just five key things. They said, don't be afraid to excuse yourself from an uncomfortable conversation. Avoid bringing up the past. If you're holding a grudge, agree to let it go. Stick to neutral topics and change the subject if the conversation gets too heavy. 
And I just thought there were some great keys as well, just to protect ourselves from things going where they shouldn't go, just to go in with intentionality, with prayer, believing that the Holy Spirit will move through us. Awesome. So much good stuff in there. I think as well for me, I would say in regards to that, don't go in already expecting to be offended. Don't go in thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to react. Don't go in thinking they're going to upset me. Don't, like, if you're expecting to be offended, if you're expecting for it to be challenged, if you're expecting, then you're going to receive whatever you're looking for. But you've really got to set yourself up. You've got to believe for the environment to be different to what maybe you've experienced before. I think for me, if I was to be, you know, um, not honest, but if I was to think intentionally about this, I think sometimes is because I've grown up in my home, even though God has changed me so much, when I stick step back into my family home, it's amazing how much you can slip back into who you once were. And I think it's important for us not to go back to the default of what we once were, but bring who you are today to the table. Bring something fresh of yourself. Don't do the same things that you used to always do. Your body is a creature of habit, physically and mentally. And so therefore, we actually need to be intentional. I had that thought down a little bit further, but I find for me, having the privilege of doing what we get to do, and being pastors and, and loving people and journeying with people, I can find when I go on holiday, I couldn't care too much about talking about issues and people's problems. I just want to hang and chill and veg and not worry about it. But actually, what I need to do is I need to be a lot more intentional in that environment. What are they walking into this room with? What have my parents gone through this year? What are they sitting in this room having faced? What else has gone on in my brother's life right now? And I might just want to chill and veg, but actually that might not be what's best to bring the level of relationship and health to this room. Actually, I've got to go in there. And who knows that when you do that, actually, the productivity of that environment, the, the connections you make are fueling you. They're not actually draining you at all. And so, uh, you know, so this is, I mean, good to be honest and just talk about how it, where it, what it's like for us. But I think for me is this year, I'm saying, Craig, get into those rooms. Think before you open your mouth. Have a look at the situation. Where can you add? And what can you, level can you connect on? Don't just be the default of what's easy. So good, babe. Here's another question. Uh, Christmas gatherings are often negative times because our family dynamic is toxic and really discouraging. There are family members that don't get on, long-term grudges, etc. So how do, how do I help shift this tension in our family, especially when culturally it's seen as disrespectful for me to say anything in terms of, you know, they're the kid of the family, they shouldn't say anything, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for all of us, we have, whether it's a culture that's, in, uh, you know, inherited, you know, say like an island culture, an Italian culture, an Australian culture, or maybe, you know, in Kiwi, uh, as a, you know, born in New Zealand, there's not a whole lot of culture really around that sort of stuff and what you can and can't do, but there's always a culture in the room. Whether it's something that's come because that's what we do as a people, or whether that's just what you do as a family, there's always a culture that's there. Um, but you've got to understand that if the culture is not a godly culture, it doesn't matter how many generations and decades it's gone on before you're in that room in that scenario, it actually is one that needs to be aligned and needs a kingdom element added to it. Yeah. And the very fact that you represent it, or sorry, not represent it, the very fact that you can notice it and you see it and it, and it irks you like there's something of discomfort, I would say maybe, just maybe, God's asking you to help be the answer to that situation. And it might actually mean that you need to be a, the, the, the middle person for a little bit to have heart conversations that actually can go beyond what is culturally acceptable or what is comfortable and say, am I the only one, one-on-one, -on -one, 
Say with be the head of the, the family, the, the, your grandparents or your, maybe your father or your, your parents or whatever and say, am I the only one that notices that when we get together, these things are happening? We don't talk to them and, and they don't talk to that and we never actually talk about stuff that actually matters. Like you, you know how that happened, but nobody brings it up. No one talks. We sweep stuff under the carpet. Am I the only one that notices this? And have the opportunity to broach that area, that topic, that conversation. Maybe it's disconnection between a couple of family members. You could be the middle person that talks to one, then talks to the other. And I say, you know, oh, we don't want to get into that. We don't want to start all that. Oh, do we want want repair or do we just want there to be disunity? Someone's going to have to stand in the gap at some point and try and bridge what's taking place to bring some understanding. And we have to always go in. It's not about one being right and the other being wrong. We've got to come in from a platform that, hey, guys, at some point, we've got to let it go. Because we're a family, and family's always going to be together. Do we really want to spend the next 30 years of Christmases in this point of tension? Because if we don't deal with it now and start talking about it now, then unfortunately, we're going to be in this place for a very long time. And I don't know about you, but actually the truth of it is we love one another because we are family. There is a deep love. Whether there's huge offense in the middle of it or not, there's always an incredible love at the, at the foundation. But we've got to be people that help bridge that. Come on, you've got to bring your wisdom. You've got to bring your godly understanding. You've got to understand that Jesus, God sent him to stand in the gap. (laughs) That we don't want to take on those weights and those pressures, but actually someone's got to stand in the gap and create that divide to be closed up so that relationship can be restored. Come on, why don't we believe that maybe this year it's the start. I'm not going to say everything can happen in one dinner. But maybe it could be the start of communicating. Maybe the start of connecting at another heart. Maybe it could just be the start of talking about something that happened years ago, but no one ever gave focus to it. Maybe it could be the start of you saying to the person that got offended and now doesn't want to be in the room, you know, I'm really sorry that happened to you years ago. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not, I'm sure that's not the intention. It wasn't the heart. But come on, let's start to build relationship again. Start sowing seeds of unity. Start sowing seeds of togetherness. Stand in the gap. Cool, cool. Um, Number four, um, how do we forgive another family member, especially someone that continues to hurt me? Yeah, forgiveness is, it's a massive one. Um, And I think we've got to live with such a great revelation of what forgiveness is. I think often we can have the wrong revelation around what forgiveness means. And I love like Matthew 6, verse 14 to 16, and Jesus just put it so strongly to us. This is him speaking to his disciples and to us. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I think like it's, it sounds pretty like harsh, pretty black and white, But Jesus said it to us for a reason. There is such power in forgiveness. Man, if if we had the revelation that's the consequence of our unforgiveness, we would live deliberately making sure that we forgave very freely. So I think we've got to go in with the right revelation of what forgiveness is. You know, forgiveness, I wrote this down, isn't freeing them. It's freeing you. Forgiveness isn't based on them changing. It's about it not changing you. You know, not allowing things to fester in you. You know, your soul to be impacted because bitterness gets into it. You know, it's making sure that you don't change for the worse through it. Forgiveness isn't about making it okay what they did, but it's making sure you're okay because you're no longer carrying it. You're allowing God to carry it for you. 
So there's such power and forgiveness if we would just get a right revelation of it. And our flesh, our inner person, doesn't see forgiveness like that. So we've got to keep on embracing a God revelation of what true forgiveness is. And to be honest, you know, forgiveness, it's not easy. And it's just constantly going to God, going, God, help me to forgive. Forgiveness takes time. Every time that thing rises up in you where you're like, oh, that just was not right. It's going, okay, God, help me with that. I choose to forgive them. It's every time it comes up, responding in the right way. And that will just take time for the power of it to break. And then in terms of people that keep hurting you, I think it's boundaries are critical. You know, we, we have had to have a lot of discussion around family, around boundaries that are necessary so that we don't keep getting hurt and that you can do a family in a really healthy way. So we have really strong boundaries in terms of conversations that come up. We don't let the conversation go certain ways because if it does, things just explode. So we're very deliberate. We don't go there now because, and it's been stuff that's been talked about in the past and we just know we're on two completely different camps about it and there's not gonna be any unity until Jesus does a miracle. So we just don't go there in terms of conversation. Then there's boundaries with things like our kids. We've had to put really strong boundaries around our kids to ensure their safety, which is so important. You know, as we put boundaries around our kids, it's just not all happy families. There are certain things we have talked about going, you know what, that situation is safe for our kids. That situation isn't safe. So we've had to, with our families, be very clear in saying this is what we'll allow our kids to do and this is what we won't allow our kids to do. And I mean, I'm probably, I probably come from the camp of being completely conservative when it comes to our kids because I don't... I'm not, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be like, I was so busy doing my thing that they suffered because of it. So I'm going to make sure that they have really healthy boundaries around them. So um, just things like that, we've had to be really sure and really clear on boundaries. Boundaries around time too. We know when time crosses a certain, you know, threshold that, you know, it's just a little bit too much. So we've just had good, really good boundaries so that you still love family, you're still giving quality time, but there's just good boundaries around things. So Very good. Very good. I think, um, you know, in that, you know, how do I, you know, someone who continually hurts me, um, you know, how do we forgive that family member? I think stop expecting that they won't hurt you. If every time you forgive them, you expect they won't do it again, but they always do it again, stop expecting that they're not going to. Because as soon as you put your expectation out there, I forgave you, you won't do it again. They said, sorry, they'll say they'll never do it again. But the history said that every year they keep doing it again. You would be unwise to have the expectation that it'll never happen again. Does that make sense? Yes. And if you're expecting it not to happen, then when it does happen, you get offended and you get upset again. And it's like it's as raw as it was last time. But actually, if you just have the expectation, you know what? They're probably going to let me down. Then when they don't, it's an added joy of like, wow, they didn't. <laughs> Rather than having the opposite. Now, I, lo- I believe the best. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we have different family dynamics. When somebody says, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be around. I promise. My expectation is they're not coming. But if they do, we're all like, all the family look around, we're like, they're here. They did what they actually said they're going to do. They never do that. We say to our kids, I know that they said that, but maybe that other things always come up. We protect them from getting hurt. Maybe they've got so much on that maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't. But next time they're here, it's going to be awesome, isn't it? We protect their relationship, but we also protect ourselves and we just have that thing is stop expecting people aren't going to let you down. Imagine if God said, I'll forgive you. I'll send my son if you only accept him once and you never do something wrong again. That's never going to work. 
we're going to let God down. We're going, to, we're going to break that relationship over and over by our response. But he never came with the expectation that grace will come to you if you never do it again. He came with a thing of grace has come to you and it will keep coming to you and it will keep coming to you and it will keep coming to you because it's, it's unconditional. And if we could have that same heart, I honestly think that it will take the pressure off being so hurt. So good. I think um, this question that came is a brilliant one. Um, in our marriage, we often find there is tension around each other's family. We're both loyal to our families but need to find the balance and what now works for our family. Yeah, I think, um, I think for us, I think for any marriage, I think for anyone um, uniting two families, you've grown up in a home with you know, a mum or a mum and a dad or a dad. and You've grown up in that dynamic and um, you're always going to have such a loyalty to your family. I remember on our wedding day as we were being prayed for off the back of officially getting married, I remember holding my parents' hands in the midst of us. We had both our families all together and we were getting prayed for. And I remember distinctively letting go of my parents' hands because I knew that when the Bible said it's, you need to leave to cleave. Like this, for this reason, you'll leave your father and mother to be united to your wife. At that point of marriage, that uh, priority that God held me responsible was not for the relationship with my parents as much as it was the relationship with my wife and the future family to come. And so therefore, I, I let it go as, in, in a sense of not saying I'm disloyal and I'm dishonoring, but actually to say this is the relationship that now I have to fight for the most. And so we will fight, you know, all families do, but what are you fighting? Are you fighting to win or are you fighting for each other? Are you fighting uh, to get your point across or are you fighting to get more connected and more on the same page? So we'll fight, but we're trying the intentionality and the motive of our fights is actually to get more aligned and more on the same page. And so I think it's important for us that we don't, uh, as the person communicating, you know what, your parents, they this, this, and this. You know what, when you say stuff that is negative towards your wife or your husband's or whatever in-laws, your in-laws, it is going to be personal. It can't not be. I'm not attacking you, it's them. No, when you say it to them, to your, your loved one, it's going to attach itself to them. Why? Because it's their parents. It's always going to hurt, Right? So we need to be mindful that we are not making it personal when we're talking about something that we don't align with or we don't agree with or we don't want in our own family. And as the recipient receiver of the information, we need to do our best to not get defensive. Come on, don't get defensive. When Nadia says to me, oh, when we go down to your family's home and this happens and this happens, I'd really like it if, don't, Craig, get defensive, you know, and go, oh, yeah, but you don't understand. That's my, like, no, no, no. She's not attacking my family. She's trying to make sure we are actually more together and that we have an ability. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope this is something that relates to most people because it definitely relates, uh, you know, to us. And, and we have amazing family, by the way, but it doesn't matter how amazing your family is. There's still dynamics that you're bringing two families together. And I think in that, you need to decide what do you want your family to be like? So Nadia has an amazing family. I grew up in a great Christian home. Uh, they're different. Nadia's family at the, at the dinner table talk about everything. My family will generally sweep it under the carpet like it didn't happen. And, you know, it just, we, but we came and said, what do we want our family to look like? What are the great things from your family? What are the thing, great things from my family that we could combine together that we would have our family? And we actually wrote our family values and we have it on the wall of our home. I'm not sure if the team have that picture at all, but um, um, they probably uh, don't because I didn't let them know that I actually sent it through. Um, how's, how's the discernment skills going, guys? Um, but, um, but if it can come up in a bit, I'm not sure if it can, but basically, it's okay if it doesn't, but basically we put our families, we put our family values down 
And we have that on the wall. And when it comes to walking through stuff in our home, very often we'll bring it back to, come on, you know our family values. And our values is it's honesty always. Doesn't matter how hard that is. Doesn't matter how much that might, it's honesty always. Come on, at the top of it, it's love God, love people. Why do we have to do this? Because we've committed our lives to love God and love people. But it always takes so much. Yep, but we've got go embrace the extra mile. We'll always embrace the extra mile. It's got never quit. So when you say, I can't, I don't want to, it's too hard. Wrong answer. We've already said as a family, we'll never quit. We'll keep on going. These are values that we want in our family. And I love what uh, the, um, is it Habakkuk says, write it down. Put it in front of you. Make it clear for people to see so we can run with it. And I think that's important for us is what is the values you want in your home? So good. Uh, we've got another question here. You know, Christmas is sometimes hard because my partner, loved ones are so full on with work. I don't feel supported at all. And how can we do this better this year? And I think it's just been very aware of seasons. You know, um, I think um, that strife can come up if we're just not aware of seasons. And we've got a crazy life. And things, I think it gets out of control when we haven't been intentional with our time. I actually just thought you said, I've got a crazy wife. Oh, no. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, that's not true at all, Craig Lapp. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we've got bad. to be intentional with time. So we sit down now. We're very uh, particular with our calendar. We sit down um, every month and we diarise our time together and uh, we're very intentional going into busy seasons that we'll have time after out of that busy season where it's just us, we've got family, we've got time to replenish again. So I think it's just been very intentional around seasons. Busy seasons are fine as long as we combat that busy season with time where we're investing into each other afterwards. Yeah. So you've, got to, you've got to communicate early. Yeah. If a busy season is coming up, you need to communicate it early. We, and not just to, to you know, your loved one, your husband, your wife. You need to communicate it to your kids. Like at the moment, we know for the last six weeks, it has been nonstop. And so we'll say to the kids, hey, guys, there'll be a couple of nights you know, over the next few weeks that we'll uh, make sure it's family night. We're going to have a lot of fun. But on a whole, we're going to be out a lot. And so, you know, just so you realize, but the cool thing is on the back of that, we'll have a holiday and we're going to have lots of time together. But are you guys cool? Are you on the same page? And it's amazing how much they embrace the season with you. Rather than feel like, Dad's never home or Mum, you're always out. And No, 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 we're actually on the same page. But can I just say to, to people who are workaholics, your business or your work environment, your boss will take as much as you let them take. They'll take as much as you let And that is not their fault. The only person at problem there is the person who does not put the boundary up and says, you know what? Actually, I'm going home. Actually, that email can wait till the morning. I do not need to ring them right now and resolve it at 7 p.m. when it's dinner time. I don't need to do that. But everyone will take everything that you give them. The problem is, is that your family will only receive what you give them. So your work will take, (laughs) but your family can only receive. So I want to ask you, are you letting your family receive just as much intentionality and priority as your work receives? Because it's up to us to enable that. Just quickly on that, you cannot, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. Not toys, not big holidays, not expensive dinners, time. That's love. Love is time. Ask yourself, where is the priority of my time? Now, we all know work requires us to be there X number of hours. But when you get home, are you home or are you still at work in the sense of your headspace? You need to do that. 
No amount of money, I love this, can ever buy a second of time. And I'm, pass- I'm really passionate about this, really passionate about this stuff um, because I just believe, come on, our kids need to be modeled what it is, is to be a priority in your life. Our wives need to be modeled what it is to be a priority in our lives. And that way together you'll champion life and you'll succeed and you'll do so much more than you can do in your own effort and ability as you charge ahead, you know, do and, it together. And, and you do that really well. You know, Craig will, uh, he'll take phone calls before just up the road from our house. And then as soon as he pulls into the driveway, the phone is aside and it's just all about being in that moment. You do that really well. And I think it's, you know, it's not just for family. It's not just for kids, husband, wife. It's for any one of us. And when we're with somebody, we're with them. Be with them. Be truly present because it's amazing the richness that that adds to the relationship. So there's just another question here. Um, Now, how do I reconcile with my child who is choosing to live in a way that I don't approve of? Obviously, it's a situation where the child is out of home. You know, it breaks my heart seeing them make the choices they're making. How do I carry this in a way that is healthy? Um, for me, uh, on this one, I would say just keep being there. When I, I always think of the prodigal son in, in that reality. Uh, it was the son that walked away, not the father. And saying the father was always there. He was always looking. He was always loving. He was always ready to embrace. Don't put expectations on them to be right, do it right, do it your way, do it the way that you have prayed. And yes, have a belief in your heart. But when you start placing the expectations that they're not going to measure up to in the, in the season of life they're in, they are going to feel a more of a level of we don't measure up to mum and dad, we don't measure up to my family's expectations, and they're going to feel more disconnected. If you could just be, if we could just be uh, just incredibly embracing, incredibly loving, incredibly consistent, incredibly encouraging. If we could just model a life, because who knows, at some point, life's going to happen to them. And they're going to want to turn to somebody for some help. Is the bridge strong between you guys because you've been there and you've kept loving, and you've kept believing, and you've kept nurturing? Or is it going to be fragmented and it's not going to be the path they want to run back to? I love that the son went back to his father because his father never walked away from his son. The son walked away from the father. And can I encourage us, don't stop praying. I remember when I got saved again at 18, I remember being with mum at a, a Christian conference. Um, just she turned up one night and I remember seeing these bookmarks and she goes, you see these two bookmarks? One is for you and one was for your brother. Every night I would pray. I knew that you were off doing your own thing, but I would get on my knees and I would pray that God's hand would be on you and he would guide you home. I never, never, ever knew that she was doing that. She never made me feel bad for going with my friends. But she always was there. She was always listening. And when she heard stuff I didn't, she didn't like, she never was upset at me and told me I was bad. She just believed in me and said, come on, Craig, God's got good things in store for you. And in that, it would, do, it would actually guide my heart home. I, really, I hope that helps. I hope that encourages us. But um, How to, to have healthy boundaries with family around expectations, especially when there are expectations, especially where there are expectations, when you feel like they are holding you back. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big one. I think um, it's taking time and intentionality to communicate, to communicate heart, to communicate where you stand on something. Um, like I said before, I think we live in a generation today where we do not honour enough, especially parents. I think there's just got to be such a lift in how we honour those that have raised us. And But I think honour doesn't mean, though, that you uh, live in a way that you have to compromise what you feel like God is asking of you. 
So that's been a big thing for us to learn, especially, say, moving to Australia, where we felt God very clearly talking to us about it. He, it was a very clear call. We had to have those hard conversations with our family who didn't want us to go. You know, we are, we're doing this when they were very much like, well, we don't want you to do that. And we had to be very honoring of them in the middle of it, but then bring the God part to it and say, well, this is what we're really believing God is asking of us. And now they come years later and they can see the fruit, you know, or you guys, the fruit of that decision. So I think it's been really intentional and taking time to communicate your heart in something rather than just this is what we are doing. And I think that's that's just where it goes, but a bit pear-shaped sometimes, where you come with this is what we're doing and this is it, rather than, look, we're really feeling God is asking us this of us, even in terms of, I know stuff can happen in terms of, Um, people being committed to a certain church because that's where their parents are. Even in situations like that, it's just having the courage to have the conversation and go, we're really feeling like God is asking this of us and then doing it in honour and love rather than just, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah, so cool. Take people on the journey. Talk about it. Talk about about it. Just talk. Talk more. Share. Be vulnerable. You know, I think I was thinking that. I felt like God said it to me even this summer. Craig, be vulnerable. You know, so easy the answer is, oh, yeah, it's all good, it's all this. But actually be vulnerable, but, you know, because it only enables there to be a greater depth and a greater understanding for each other. There's been some really cool questions that are coming that are really, really quick um, because we want to touch on a couple of things. But this one here, um, and I hope, you know, if there's any young kids in the room, I'm sorry, um, but your parents can deal with the answer and take you on the journey further. But <laughs> questions about Santa. How have you navigated this with your kids? So again, if you're a child in the room or an adult in the room and you still <laughs> hold on to those, you just put the cookies out and you do the little ice, uh, you know, icing on the floor and the footsteps and you just makes yourself warm and fuzzy. Uh, to be honest, I'm pretty brutal. Uh, I'm just like, what? It's not real. Get over it. Yeah, if I remember Hope two years ago coming out, what? It's not. I was like, oh, come on. You're going to find out at some point. Seriously. Listen to you. Oh, what a load, what a load of baloney! Like, like honestly, it's a gimmick. Like in that sense, now it's fun. We have fun with it. We do Santa sacks on the bed and stuff like that. Like it's fun, but man, to sell yourself into the whole story of Santa and the Santa comes down and if you've been a good boy, I'm sorry, doesn't float my boat. <laughs> Doesn't work in my house. I'm pretty sure actually on one of the values on our wall is thou shall not believe in Santa. <laughs> so at some point they're going to realise and they're going to think, you know, whatever. And I, th- I think we dealt with it by just avoiding the questions that would come. Like if we could not answer it quickly, maybe this is me dealing with it rather than the Craig's version of so. it. I'm pretty flat with but it. Just, right? But then when it came to the brutal point of actually having to lie about it, we wouldn't lie about it. We'd tell the truth. So Right. But Easy's still going to believe in Santa for a few years yet. What? Yeah, he's 18 months. He needs to have his little sands of time. But the difference between should, a dad should and I a give mom, him 18 right months? Here. I honestly don't believe he, he needs 18 months. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation with him in the car on the way home. He's not going to understand. But um, This is a cool question, but again, we, we've got to be quick. But um, a question about money. There is a lot of debt in our extended family, and Christmas adds to this because people love giving gifts. How can I help to address this without being offensive? Um, just my quick um, beliefs on this is, you know, remove, we've in our family, as it's grown and as extended families grown, we all love to give gifts, but we actually changed the model. We said, hey, why don't we do a, a you know, Kris Kringle, everybody buys a gift for that and we can have fun with that, but then choose. We pull out of a hat one person in our family that we do do something a bit more elaborate too. So rather than buying for 15 people, 
we are still enabling there to be gifts for 15 people. Now, we still all buy gifts for our, our mum and dads, our grandparents, because that's just awesome. But on a brother and sister level and all that, we just said, just do, let's just name it. And it's actually quite fun for who you get to pull out and who you get. And then the Chris Kringle side is, is always a good laugh and stuff like that. But, I mean, honestly, like, we love to give gifts as well. But to be honest, in this last couple of years, I've said, guys, mum, like, for our home, we've got to pull back. Because we would just wrap everything. You know, they needed new socks, so we would wrap it as if it was a gift. You know, and they needed another T-shirt, so we would wrap it as if it was, it was a gift. And they would end up getting 25 gifts 24 of them are essentials that were running dry. Toothpaste, you know, like a, you know, a piece of toast for breakfast. You know, let's wrap it, wrap it. But what we found is they were growing in expectation that they should get 20 presents. That's not healthy. That's not right. And so this year we've changed it. We just said, guys, you'll get one present and there'll be a little Santa sack, which will be fun. But guys, that's not what it's all about. Big Santa. Big Santa sack from now. All right, there's going to be like a sleeping bag on your sleeping bag. And... Uh, but you know what I mean? I think you, you have to have that conversation. You actually need to do that in your family. And I, you know what? As much as people love giving gifts, it can relieve the pressure. Because who knows? They're feeling it. If they're in debt, and if you're in debt, and you're feeling the weight of it. And what I love is other people have done, um, and we've done in our family, get creative. You know, some people have just put the ingredients of a cake in a jar on multiple levels and done a little card. Get creative. Do something fresh. Do Draw a picture. Do something... And I think um, it's a it's Sorry, a good I just thought about that idea. If you're a grown adult drawing a picture, giving it to another grown <laughs> adult, I just thought, actually, that would be pretty awkward. Uh, so maybe, maybe don't do that. But I think it's a really good point. Finances and family, it's a massive issue. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the amount of tension and family breakup that happens over money is massive. So I just think everything should be communicated. Everything should be talked about. Like my mum's side of the family had massive breakdowns because of financial stuff. So with our family now, everything financially is just out on the table. It's talked about. We know mum and dad are communicated to all the other siblings. My brother and myself are the, are the executives of our estate. And we're already talking about how stuff is going to be divided up. We, we joke around about it. You know, if you muck yeah, up there. Yeah, they do. They're like, <laughs> no, I'm the favourite, so I'm going to get more percentage and they'll get it. So we try everything's out of the table. And the mum table. and have deliberately done that because they have had such breakdown with financial stuff over the family. So everything is out in the open. With your family, it's the same. The parent, your parents have already talked to us about how the will is set up. Everything is just out in the open. So I think that's a really healthy model just to communicate things. And if you're in a situation or environment where, well, that's not our culture, I think it's a really healthy thing to actually start having conversations around it because when it's all in the open, there's such health around it. Yeah. And I, I love it. It's one thing Dad set up in our family because both Mum and Dad were from such unhealthy backgrounds. Everything is communicated. So Dad would sit at the end of our bed. If there was something up, he just sent something was up, he would sit at the end of the bed until we talked. He made us talk. And the health of our family now because of that is amazing. So I just think that... The health of communicating, being committed to communication is so critical. So That's brilliant. It's awesome. Really good. The other one, just another one, quick one, which I think I want to make available to everyone is, um, it says, I'm at, um, uh, this Christmas I'm alone and uh, I'm feeling lonely already. What should I do? Um, you know, that's a very real thing for many people, especially if you're interstate or overseas or maybe your family are going, but you're not. Um, can I encourage you, um, don't try and throw the sympathy card out there when you like talk to people, oh, what are you doing for Christmas? And they say, we've got a family gathering, oh, yeah, well, I'm by myself and I, no one's going to be. Please, don't do that. Uh, you know, 
But uh, be encouraged, be excited for, the, the, for them. Oh, that sounds awesome. But at the same time, when you talk to people and they're like, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe a few of us could get together. We could do something. We could host it at someone's house and be a part of the solution. Come on, you want to have friends? Be friendly. Uh, don't go looking for sympathy cards. But I, as well, I just thought that we've actually got a life Facebook page um, that a bunch of people are on and maybe you're already on it, but it's called Living Life and um, L-I-V hyphen N life. And uh, you could say, guys, I'm not going anywhere this Christmas, but I would love to host something. Or if you're a family here and you say, you know what, we could host people. You might want to jump on there and say, hey, happy to host anyone that would love to come around for Christmas and uh, open it up. And let's be a part of a community that actually doesn't just go, oh, sorry for them, sorry for them. But if you could, we've done it when we were here. We did it with a bunch of families. It was so much fun having so many different families together to have a time again to celebrate. My, lo- my blood family might not be here but together we're a family and we're having a good time. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. So so good. And just before we close out, because we do have to close out, we can have Isaac. It'd be great for you to have you come up. And um, one of the other questions that came through was, you know, what is uh, one key to have strong relationships? And I would say the number one key would be to live unoffended. Very just good. make a commitment. I will not be offended by relationships. I will not be offended by what people do to me. And it's amazing when you live like that. I'm, I'm going to believe the best in people. I'm going to be committed to people. It's amazing when you live like that, the fruit of relationships. The bait of offense is always there to take. And just be committed not to take it. I'm going to live bigger than that. I'm going to live bolder than that, stronger than that. I'm not going to take that bait. I'm going to live in a way that the cause of my life is so much bigger than those little things that come along the way that would want to sidetrack me. So live unoffended, I think, is the biggest thing. Very good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.